1: Welcome in everybody to the CFP Nation All America Podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Troche, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Troche and keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. Bill, it's uh, All America Week here at Sporting News. Uh, we we broke out our our Sporting News All America team today so we're recording this on wednesday uh, we had some meetings we, we debated a lot of people researched a lot of people and of course sporting news is one of the five outlets that determine consensus all americans so we take this task very seriously uh take me through how you feel this year went you've been doing it for a long time uh with some different people you and i have been doing it together for three years but uh what, what did you think of the overall process this year and uh and you excited that uh, with how the final team took shape? You
2: no, know, this was one of the easier ones. And you know, Sporting News has been doing it a lot longer than I have. We we take a lot of pride in this because not only are we one of the five outlets that helps determine consensus, along with the AP and the FWAA and Walter Camp and the AFCA, Sporting News has been doing all American teams since 1934. So for me it's a special privilege to be able to be part of that and and put this team together and the stress that goes into it, because, you know, these guys and somebody would say, what's the big deal between first and second team? Well, when you deal with the SIDs and the players and the potential to, you know, have an oversight, it can stick with you. I mean, we talked about Devin Witherspoon last year and a couple years ago, I think I put sauce Gardner on the second team and you, but I mean, like, I don't regret those because the, the guys that we had on the teams those years were deserving. And it's not an NFL future award. It's a college award. So it, it was fun. There was a couple guys that were really tough. But I, I mean, honestly, like if you look at our first team offense, it was probably the easiest first team offense we've ever done because the line was all pretty much locked in. Guys like Joe Alt and Olu uh the receivers were easy um Jaden Daniels was easy. It was fun. I didn't know if there were any for you that you were like, man, that's a really tough decision. I think as we got into defense in the second team, it got a little bit harder.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data Learn more at marines.com.
1: Yeah, I wanted to point out one thing. I think you mentioned in your lead that um, we had two-time two, te- two time All-Americans. It was uh,
2: Harrison it, and BB.
1: And that's it, right? Yep. Which that's kind of crazy, is it not? I mean, that, that just shows like every, every year is very, very different. And even if – look at Caleb Williams, for crying out loud. No one thought he would – uh not only not make first team or second team and and probably he wasn't even in the in the discussion for uh for third team bo Nix, we talked about uh versus Penix for that second team quarterback situation. The position that was fun to talk about was wide receivers when it came to the first team. I know uh uh, Harrison and uh, and uh, Malik neighbors kind of ran away with the, the Blitnikoff and Holy Mackerel one vote. I don't know if you and I talked about that. That's unbelievable. The LSU people were infuriated that uh, Marvin Harrison only won because his name is Marvin Harrison and the Ohio state people you said would have lost their mind if Marvin Harrison did not yeah. win. So both, both fan bases were very invested in that. Uh, but you also had Roma Dunze who, you know, was, uh, he right. finished in the top 10 of the Heisman, did he not? Maybe he didn't. I think uh, he
2: was outside it. But it was the hardest. I mean, that was more difficult than – I vote on the Blitnikoff, and I voted on Her- for Harrison. So I was kind of joking up here in Columbus, hey, you can thank me. That's um, right. <laughs> um, but that was harder than the Heisman vote because all three of those guys were so good. I mean, Roman Dunze made clutch play after clutch play. Uh, neighbors had the numbers – to do it. So it was difficult. And Harrison, it's not just his name. I mean, he, he was phenomenal all season.
1: So yeah, that was a tough one. I think, I mean, we did, we did go three wide receivers on the first team, which makes sense. And then we, we the made that adjustment. Hit. Yeah. Luther Burden was the one that got left off kind of was sort of in the mix. I don't know where he finished in the Blitnikov probably fourth. Uh, so we were consistent there. Well,
2: well, a couple of changes we made to our all-American team. And that was one that, you know, in the past, we had only put two receivers. That was a change that you recommended, and and we evolved like anything else. We do leave two running backs. Some websites put one, but you, it, I, I'm still I get that most teams run one back sets, but we reward two running backs on our defense. We added another defensive back. Um, that wasn't something we had previously done in the past. So you have 29 guys on the team now, and uh, that's up from 27, I think. And I'm fine with that because. It get puts more kids on the team. And when you look at the the composition of our first and second teams, it's, it's pretty good. I know some websites do a long snapper. We haven't done that. Maybe next year we'll do a long snapper. I think uh, AFCA does that. I like the uniqueness that every one of them is a little bit different. And the hardest part of this, Bill, and I was going through this last night, when you have to dif- differentiate between what an edge, a linebacker, and a defensive end is, That's when right. some of these guys can do all three. You know, Edger and Cooper, you would, you might look at our All-American list and say, well, why is he an edge? He, he was kind of a weak side linebacker. He was kind of inside. Luther Ellis played with his hand down, played, played standing up. So my way of doing it is, would you rather him not be on the team? <laughs> I mean, would you rather him be on the team and listed as kind of like the tweener position that he is? Or would you rather have him not on the team for some other kid? So I think those two stood out and um, that was a good, I, I, again, I've done this, I think seven or eight years now where I've kind of run point on it and had you help and had others help and had Elliot Punnell help our editor. Um, This was probably the least confrontational one.
1: (laughs) The, yeah, it makes sense to me to add the, your your nickelback is basically a starter on on defense cuz so many teams use three wide receivers three wide receiver sets and so you know you've got 12 guys if you have a uh, a base defense with only four dbs if it's a running play or whatever but that guy gets almost as much snaps as everybody else so i do think it made sense for us to to evolve right there um and then yeah the, the two running back debate i mean there's always two Worthy running backs of of being first team, all Americans. So that makes sense there. We also added punt returner and kick returner this year because we had so many good candidates. Right. Uh, Zachariah Branch, USC. I mean, there's no way to leave him off. He he was a combo return guy. Uh, but then we put Barry and Brown off for Kentucky. He's a guy you liked. Uh, he had you know he averaged what over more than thirty yards per return. Uh, two two touchdowns. Sure.
2: Yes. And he had the touchdown against Louisville. I mean, that it, it's, again, I think that makes sense to, to add and, you know, obviously the NCAA will come up with a consensus all American team here in a few days. And if you don't think it matters, just wait till you see some of my emails over the next few days. <laughs> I mean, so yes, it does matter to people and you know, we, we do, it's a fun exercise for us. It's not easy. We'll have our player of the year and coach of the year articles this week as well. Um, if we didn't take it seriously, that it didn't, it would mean we we didn't take our job seriously, and and we did. We had fun with it. It's a good team, and yeah, like I said, I didn't see any. You know, the good part about it is it highlights guys like Jason Henderson, for example, a guy from Old Dominion. That in two years you're going to be like. Why did I never hear about this guy in college? When he's getting 15 tackles a game for the Texans or something, in <laughs> 170 tackles, he's like a another Luke Keekly out there. So you know, it spotlights some of those guys while it also focuses on. By the way, Alabama dominated our All American team. Spoiler alert: there four six guys between the first and second team, their entire secondary almost, and uh, a couple of linemen and Dallas Turner. So yeah, the the world. Does still spin if Alabama has all these <laughs> All Americans? It's almost like water is wet.
1: Take the uh, the listeners through the the athlete position in the debate. We got two unique guys, I think, uh, on our first team and second team.
2: So we do do an athlete, and Travis Hunter was an obvious first team choice. I mean, when you play thousand snap, thousand seventy four snaps, play defensive back, play receiver, we, he pretty much clinched All American status in week one against TCU like we were talking about that then um and then Sion Vaki uh from Utah who played some tailback played some defensive back I think he had like 50 tackles so typically with that athlete position what we did was you would use it as a cheat and I'll, and I'll give our listeners this: kick we cheat a little bit but not like so you can cheat and I say that like it was a way to get Saquon Barkley on our all-american team that year because the running backs that year were ridiculous so you or you get a guy that you know, kind of that multi-purpose Travis right. Etienne type. They,
1: a, a Darren Sproles. Like yeah, we, uh, right.
2: Vaughn might have been yeah, that Dukes last Vaughn, year. Yeah, Dukes Dukes Dukes. Vaughn might have been that last year, but this year we actually had some two-way players. So I was like, that was pretty cool. And for Travis Hunter in Colorado, they're going to market that. You don't think Dion's going to market that? I, he we we weren't the only outlet that put him on the first team. And yeah. I when I get. You and I, we don't bristle about it, but sometimes I like to tell you or Elliot, like we don't have to do what everybody else does. <laughs> but in most instances, with this, it, it does. You see the same guys pop up on several teams, and I've last couple years, the the five that determine consensus, I've noticed they they've looked more and more alike. But it's not like I look at Ralph Russo and what the AP does, and I'm not. I'm not, I don't do it to be like, oh, I better do exactly what Ralph does. But I look at it just to kind of gauge, okay, ours is pretty close, you it
1: know. Yeah, it reinforces some of the research that we're putting in. And we look at the all league teams, obviously. If someone's, you know, second team all ACC, we're like, well, should we they put them on our All America right. team kind of thing? This is uh, awards handed by people that watch these guys a week in, week out in person and everything. So that cut carries some weight as we go through uh, everything we want to go through and, and get a starting point. And then, of course, right. just kind of debate and make our decision. So you mentioned that Alabama, six players, Florida State, one player. And it was the second team punter, guy from Australia. So the CFP uh, committee picked the more talented team, at least according to the Sporting News All-America team. And we've got some shenanigans going on, of course. I don't know if you saw this, the Florida – Attorney General is getting involved in uh, in, in the CFP. Uh, they they are launching an investigation. Ashley Moody announced Tuesday uh, that they're looking into the, the CFP selection committee over the decision <laughs> to leave Florida State out. Uh, said that the, the state's antitrust division is sending a civil investigative demand to the committee for quote more information about the nature of possible contracts conspiracies in restraint of trade and monopolization of trade and commerce relating to anti-competitive effects of the college football playoff. So uh, I want to get your reaction to that, but first I'll read Bill Hancock's reaction. Oh, this ought to be good. Go ahead. Quote, we will carefully review this demand for information, but it sure seems to be an overly aggressive reaction to a college football ranking in which some fans Somewhere we're bound to be disappointed.
2: <laughs> I can hear Bill saying that, and he's the outgoing. He's awesome, by the way. That's all Ron, Ron DeSantis is involved in this story. Oh yeah, he's put a million
1: dollars 000, 000 aside if uh, if Florida State wants to sue the CFP. He's going to use Florida State, you know, tax dollars to uh, allow them to maybe sue their way in. Which um, I don't think is going to happen.
3: Keep it twisted.
2: Well, we talked about this yesterday in our college planning meeting, and you are in the camp of there. there's no AP voter that would possibly vote for Florida State if they beat Georgia and if Washington and Michigan were to lose. And I'm the opposite. I think somebody absolutely will vote Florida State, number one, because there's so many people that are, let's buck the system, those type people. I'm not that type of guy but somebody will.
1: My my exact quote was if someone does it they need their AP voting privileges revoked. I'm not right. saying someone isn't dumb enough to do it but if you vote for Florida State at 14 and 0 winning an exhibition orange bowl where the best players aren't playing over the team that wins two CFP playoff games right. you're insane.
2: Well, and and that's that could happen though. And, and I think this argument of a split national title, it, the fact that we can even have it, and and Florida State can have it. If I were Florida State, now I'm going to put you in their situation. If I'm their AD and I'm their players, I'll claim a national title if we beat Georgia. I just—I don't care if it's, I'd say, you didn't put us in. Like, if, if Tate Rodemaker goes out and beats Georgia, I'm claiming a national title. I'll, I'll print the banners. You could sell the banners and say that, like, <laughs> especially if Washington and Michigan lose in the first round to Texas and Alabama, which we have predicted. And, or I'm like calling out Alabama or Texas and saying, come play us. You know, I mean, it it is ridiculous. You're right. That the notion of that is ridiculous because it's an orange, it's a orange bowl where Johnny Wilson isn't even going to play. But I mean, this is an illogical sport. I mean, this isn't, a sport where logic always dictates results, and I think that argument will be out there. And for these lawmakers, as absurd as this sounds, Bill, if they beat Georgia, you can expect more political, whether it's stunts, bluster, whatever. You know, Ron DeSantis may come out, and who knows what he'll do. I know people have opinions on him, by the way, I'll stay out of that
1: one. <laughs> So I just thought I would bring that up. A little comedy to, to, to sprinkle in as we wait around for the, the semifinals. Uh, and one other piece I wanted to uh, bring up from Sporting News this week, in addition to our All-America team, uh, for the third year in a row, I have issued some uh, grades for the new hires. There were nine Power 5 hires uh, this year, which is the, the, the carousel was not as exciting as it's been the last couple of years with Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley and Deion Sanders and, you know, some big names. But um, I did hand out some grades. I gave some uh, a couple of A minuses out there. Houston for hiring Tulane coach Willie Fritz. Uh, he has rebuilt that team. They have gone 23 and four the next two years. Uh, they had been to one bowl game in the previous 15 years at, at Tulane. Uh, he's 63. He's, he's been through uh, junior college division two, FCS and Georgia Southern and Tulane. So finally he gets into a, a power five conference. We'll see yeah. how he does. It's been well-earned. And I think, you know, Houston's positioned to do okay in the big 12 with, with Texas and Oklahoma gone. No,
2: no, he'll he'll be all right. He'll do a good job there. And, it took a while. I always go – when with Willie Fritz, it always goes back to a story with me that when he was with Tulane, I I covered a game where they played Ohio State the year Meyer – I think it was Meyer's first game back from the suspension in 2018. Ohio State won the game pretty handily. But you when you watch teams and you watch how they play, they were still playing hard in the fourth quarter, down 20-something. And, and I'm like, okay. That guy has buy in. And that sounds like, I know that sounds like a cliche, but I've also been at plenty of Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame games where they were pounding somebody by 40, and you could see the kids quit. Like, they didn't quit. So I think that is a good hire for Houston. I think and this do year, them. like, yeah. you know,
1: they lost Tyler Algiers, and he, you see what he's doing in the NFL, uh, the running back, and it's like he backed it up. You know, they went, they had another great season. They, they mm-hmm. almost made another New Year's Six, which is just crazy. And so, you know, we see these group of five schools put together one one great season, and then maybe they're yep. going to fall off. He backed it up this year. So good for yep. him, happy for him. I th- I know he's a popular guy. People like him and stuff. Uh, Michigan State hiring Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith. Uh, I don't blame Jonathan Smith for leaving his alma mater. Uh, he probably wouldn't have, I don't think, if the Pac-12 didn't right. uh, uh, go away, blow up, whatever you want to say. Um, so, you know, he's had success at a school that's not easy to have success. Took him a little bit. Uh, he did not get into a bowl until year four, year four, year five, year six. The last two years, they were very good, very good at home. They are 18 and seven the last two years. Again, they're in the shadow of Big Brother, which it will be the case at Michigan State. I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to use that term uh, for the Michigan-Michigan State a rivalry, but uh, I like that hire uh, for a lot of reasons. I've heard people that have interacted with him really, uh, you know, speak highly of his character and it's down to earth. And you know, I think Michigan State needs some stability after these last few years with everything going on at that school. So I like that hire. I gave it an A minus.
2: Yeah, and you know they they won two against Oregon in the right. Now he'll understand that because. Being at Oregon State against Oregon, whatever those fan bases want to admit, I mean, before he comes to Oregon State, you look at the I'm counting right here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nine out of the last 10 meetings before he arrived, Oregon won. So same thing when when Mark D'Antonio arrived at Michigan State, Michigan had dominated that rivalry. Now, Harbaugh, it's evened out. It evened out. D'Antonio owned Michigan for a while. Harbaugh comes, now it's kind of Michigan's last two years in particular haven't been real pretty for the Spartans. So that's what he's stepping into. So that concept won't be foreign to him, where Michigan State's entire program is built off that Michigan game. Their seasons are built off that Michigan game. When they they lose to Michigan, you look at the trajectory of their season when they lose versus when they win Michigan, it's it's huge. I mean, they got destroyed this year. Get embarrassed their program bottomed out right and I think he's the right kind of stabilizing force now how does he react to I would this is something I'll go back and look at Bill is how does a Pac-12 coach do in the Big Ten because it but, is a different it might but now he's basically coming with all those schools that he knows about so that should
1: help and he's his style is defense run first kind of Big Ten ish you know what I mean It's not your typical whip it around Pac-12 team, so I think he will kind of fit in there, fill up philosophically. So the third one I really want to touch on is uh, Mike Elko gave him an A. Texas A&M they take Duke's coach. Uh, He he did a you know phenomenal two year job. He is his first head coaching job. Uh, He's forty six years old. He went sixteen and nine after Duke went five and eighteen the two years before he got there. So turned him around pretty quick dealt with um, injuries to his star quarterback this year, and they still won eight games uh, at Duke. He was a DC in college station for four years. So he kind of knows, you know, what uh, the atmosphere is and the environment in college station. So I, I think he, he's like a no nonsense kind of guy. I think I, I've agreed with the takes out there that he's, he's what they need to settle things down and um, kind of, fulfill the potential they've got they've got so much talent he might be the guy that that really does you know come through with 10 wins 11 wins and maybe even get them to the sec championship
2: yeah i mean of all these grades the those two stand out smith and elko and they're not if i got in a thread with my buddies here in columbus and said hey what do you think about mike elko they don't know who he is i mean like and and they didn't they didn't know really know much about jonathan smith but but they could find out. I mean, Mike Elko did a fantastic job in building an underdog program with Duke. They were good on the interior. That's what Texas A&M needs to be. I just was talking about Edger and Cooper, Texas A&M linebacker that made our second team All-American team, several first team All-American teams. I mean, it's not like he's a stud when you watch the film. So it's not like they can't attract those guys. And I think Elko, the familiarity there. Knowing kind of the the terrain and dealing knowing who he's gonna to have to deal with on the outside will help him. And that'll be a no-nonsense philosophy philosophy that helps Texas AM a great deal.
1: Yes. And they open with Notre Dame. So they will have plenty of eyeballs right away on his debut, and we'll see where it goes from there. So all right, well, that's our show. For today, we're going to have another one coming up shortly. Thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. Uh, Our next show will have some QB carousel talk, a short preview of what to watch for on signing day next week, and then uh, maybe some bowl talk. So enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.